Welcome back to The Benefit is Love. I'm Scott Tharler, an author, freelance writer, podcaster, and certified up-level coach. And I'm Kenya K. Stevens, a relationship expert, love coach, best-selling author, wife, and proud mother of three. My husband of 27 years, Carl, and I co-founded the Progressive Love Academy way back in 2005. Since then, we've co-authored two popular books and taught thousands of clients how to express themselves openly and authentically, where the purpose is growth and the benefit is love. If you've ever felt like a victim or a villain, you're in the right place. So Kenya, it seems like the concept that in life, none of us are really either victims or villains has some overlap with no shame, no blame, or maybe it's an extension. So why does no victims, no villains deserve its own tenant? Well, the progressive love tenants are there to create a floor in the modern relationship. Just five talking points that can help harmonize people, humans. Shame and blame is looking to blame somebody or shame somebody for their actions. Victims and villains is more about how you are perceiving other, how you are perceiving yourself, where you place this concept of right and wrong is there in victims and villains. Whereas shame and blame could be like, well, I don't think they're wrong. It's just all their fault. (laughs) It's really addressing right and wrong and deleting those from our consciousness so that we stop villainizing others and villainizing ourselves. And this is another one that's all around us in our culture. We have tons of good versus evil in movies. We're bombarded by lawyer commercials asking us if we've been the victim of an accident or malpractice. So there's definitely no shortage of examples to pull from. We have so many examples, and we'll talk about those today with our guest, my little brother, (laughs) here, and he was an NFL player. And then we have Colin, another up-level coach, who's going to be on here later. So we're going to get into this concept around victims and villains because really it's about a discussion about your power and giving away all of your power as a quote-unquote victim. I think men really go through this with thinking that they are the villains and maybe white men are going through this where they really believe that they're the villains of the world or it's just, we gotta get out of this polarity around right and wrong, victims and villains. It's something that's so baked into it that I think of myself as a nice person, but as you say it, I'm like, actually, I did think that in my marriage, you know, that things are my fault and this happened because I did this or I didn't do this. And it's like a giving away of power, but it's like a giving away of self almost. It's like when you dissociate and you go out of your body. Right. As an African-American woman, it is a giving away of power because I experienced the shift when I got out of victim around race. Now, my ego and my animals still have things that I point out. I was walking down the street the other day coming out the grocery store and this white male looked at me and said, oh, black trash just said that to me, walking out to storage. I don't know him from Adam and did nothing to him. And that's just what he looked at me and said. Now, there was a time where I would carry that and feel victimized by that, where now I felt more empathy for him. Wow, what's wrong with him? Is he ill? What's wrong with this dude? Does he need support? Well, first off, he needs glasses, but I can't even imagine thinking that or saying that, it's just ridiculous. But I've I've had sort of similar things where I'll be driving and I go in front of somebody or something happens. And then 
they gesture to me. But there are other people who they get visibly angry. And in turn, I can feel something like in my core. Oh my gosh, there's been a weird interaction. I wish I could have an intercom that went into their car, not to yell at them or cuss at them, but to say, oh, I'm sorry. Like, this is just a misunderstanding. It's not really that big a deal. But, you know, my higher self doesn't teleport into the other person's car. So it leaves this weird thing. And I have to really think about it because I feel like this person might have gotten into a bad mood. And then what if they did something else? And Right. And the victim thing, the way it would take your power in that instance and the way it would have taken mine in my instance is that, yes, if I ruminate on that, if I say this society is so fucking racist, everybody's going to be this away to me and people just treat me bad. Okay, I could ruminate on that for a long time, thereby wasting my energy. Yes, I'll vent about it. And then when I move into higher self where there's no victims and no villains, I can say, wow, that man has some sort of problem and I can move on and I can even add that empathy, as you're saying. Yeah. So why do you think most people tend to get stuck on this one? Because it seems like if there's one tenant that people will inevitably either hesitate to get on board with or sometimes just flat out disagree with, this is the one. Why do you think that is? Because they utilize the extreme cases where clearly if a man is beating a woman or if slaveholders are killing Black people or if Hitler has murdered, they're saying we cannot take away victim and villain in those cases. And I get it. Their ego is stuck in the idea that there's a polarization there. And our society teaches that is true. Yeah. So I think the separation for me, I guess, is this isn't so much about like when bad things happen to good people. It's more about redefining something. It's more about a mind shift. And it's not saying your animal can't be upset or your ego can't judge this in some way. But it's about saying if you're going to live in a world of victims or villains where you identify with one or both, then that's just ultimately not fulfilling. It's not fulfilling. It's not sustainable. It's highly stressful. And the missing part is the missing part of Western culture, which is God particle, the divine. What about our divine nature? What's the purpose of life? Those are the questions that are go unanswered when we have a society that places us in victim and villain, and we believe those things then we're missing out on the fact, like, I know I'm a living and walking God. That is a part of me. And I am this ego. And I am this animal who can be hurt. Oh, I don't like that. You did this to me. I'm all three of those. But if I'm only two of those, if I'm only animal and ego, then my life is going to be highly stressful with random stuff happening all the time that I cannot, quote unquote, control or understand. Exactly. And that's the problem. Yeah. So what have you found to be the most common misconceptions about no victims, no villains? Just that if you believe there are no victims and no villains, then you're victim blaming, you know, you're victim shaming, or you're saying that these people don't have the right to feel bad about their plight. And that's not what no victims, no villains is about at all. It's about actually empowering people who feel like victims and empowering people who feel like villains and letting them know that you're not that. Again, you are this walking, living, breathing God particle, as well as your other parts and showing them how to use and get into that empowered place of the God particle within. Well, I hadn't even thought about the gaslighting factor. So now that we've laid the groundwork, it's time to really put this principle to the test. 
After a short break, we're going to welcome a couple of guests, like Kenya mentioned, to discuss current events and put no victims, no villains through the ringer. We'll be right back. We're joined today by Colin Safranek and Michael Stone, each of whom have their own understandings and misgivings about no victims, no villains. So, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having us. So let's meet our guests first. Mike, you're Kenya's brother. You played in the NFL for 10 years for teams like the Cardinals, Patriots, Texans, and Giants. And most recently, you're the founder and or partner of several businesses. Tell us a little bit about how you're spending your time and what your focus is. My focus changes once every four or five years, it seems. But right now, I was on flipping houses. I retired from football about 2008. So since then, I've been figuring out what I want to do next. And I've landed on real estate right now. Okay, great. So tell us what your understanding is about no victims, no villains, that tenant. I guess the overall premise, and let me know where I'm wrong at, is that you can't blame anybody for anything. And nobody is the hero. Nobody is the bad guy in anybody's life. Everybody's just trying to do their best. So how much does that ring true with you? Very true. I think that everything is perspective. So people look like villains to certain people with certain perspectives, and people like heroes to other people. So it's all perspective-based, and I don't think there are any real victims or real villains. Okay. Is there any particular part where you would separate it and say that you don't agree with some part of it? I'll be honest. I agree with all aspects of it. I fully agree that if you're looking from every perspective, every person you think is a villain has things they're doing right. And every person you think is a hero has things they're doing wrong. So I totally agree with it. Wow. Oh, that's excellent because I didn't know if you had pushback on this one, but a lot of people are pushing back, for instance, on Kanye West. They're saying that he should not believe at all that there's some good part of Hitler or that he can love Hitler. And that's really getting into the no victims, no villains space. He's saying there's no victims and no villains. But uh -huh. most people don't agree with that. They think this person is a bad person. He is a villain. And so how do you reconcile that yourself and you being an african-american person don't you think slaveholders were villains i think the media makes money by creating victims and villains because fear makes people watch news and when you're scared and you're watching the news for the next thing to happen you're helping the station sell ad time so i think that media plays a big part in creating these victims and villains in order to get eyes and that's just the reality of it and Kanye happens to be that current victim of our time. I look at it as it's sort of a meta thing. Like you're only a victim of the media if you watch it. <laughs> so I avoid <laughs> exactly. the media. The are watch it. So thanks for sharing about that. So Colin, tell us a little bit more about your background starting before you got into Uplevel and then including what you're up to now. Okay, before I found Uplevel, I was on the path of learning to become a relationship coach, become a communication coach, but also just to improve my own relationship. I think that's a pretty common pathway into coaching. I am a coder. I have been building websites for about 15 years. I really was inspired by the tools I started to find when I took an interest in improving my own communication and my own relationship. And that's what led me to up level. 
Well, I think an interesting thing is like, especially as a coder, you can appreciate that one line of code can really change everything. So you have to be very critical in a sense. Absolutely. Also, I like to think in absolutes. So when I learn the up-level tenets that there's no shame and no blame and there's no victims and no villains, where I go immediately is like, well, is that really true? And I have to say that the no victims, no villains has been the most difficult one for me to reconcile because immediately I take it to the most extreme examples of abuse and the horrors in our world. Trigger warning, but is there truly not a victim when a child who's barely able to form logical thoughts and is barely really conscious in the way adults are is horribly abused and maybe abused to death. And they don't even get a chance to come back from that abuse and have this sort of hero's journey of finding their shadows and discovering that their trauma is their superpower. That's a great happy ending and an easy way to say, oh yeah, there's no victim. You, you transcended your victimhood, but can I really get behind that statement for someone who never does? Maybe they don't die so young. Maybe they become addicted to drugs and can never get out of that rut and overdose one day. Like, are they not a victim of something? And my ego battles with that every time I hear this tenet. And in order to reconcile with it, I have to go super philosophical. I think about natural disasters. Like when someone dies in a natural disaster, is the tornado the villain? Are the people who died the victims of that tornado? Is it the same if someone murders another person? Is that nature taking its course just like a natural disaster? So I have to get pretty philosophical about it, but my ego and my animal, they're pretty clear that when someone endures that kind of abuse, especially like a child, that's a victim and that's a villain, according to my animal and ego. So it's a tricky one for me, but I think what I really wanna say about it is it reminds me to live in paradox. The nature of the universe is full of paradoxes. And so I think that there are victims and villains and there aren't simultaneously. Also victims tend to become villains and villains were once victims. So it's a circular phenomenon as well. And that's what I mean when I say I have to take it to like existential philosophical levels in order to really reconcile with it. So Kenya, where do, do you want to start with tornadoes or abusers? Where do we go from there? <laughs> or Kanye or slavery. Well, see, exactly. the, the, the real kicker here with victims and villains is two things that make this determination. In a paradigm where we believe in death, then you have to believe in victims and villains. If I believe that when I die, quote unquote, that my life is over, then I have to say, if I'm a child and somebody abuses me and ends my life, that I've been a victim. We have to believe that. In a paradigm where we don't believe in death, which I don't understand how the West can believe that energy is neither created nor destroyed, but yet believe in death. Okay, so that is paradox. So here's how that ties in. Abuse. 
Slavery was 400 years of abuse. But if I believe that my ancestors literally die and their energy is gone, they're never going to be a continuation, then yes, they were victims. But if I believe that my ancestors are me, I am a living embodiment of people who went through those things and now I've cycled out of that, then I can see that there's no victims and no villains. I'm right here. I'm right here. That child is right here. So that's where we get a little bit flustered in our thinking when we just have that Western concept of death. Yeah, I really like that point because especially in our culture, not only do we believe in death, but we're especially afraid of it. I think we live in a very death phobic culture. And I think that absolutely is at the root of why it's so difficult for many people to accept that tenet. They're like, what I find a lot is, okay, yeah, I see that. Like when it comes to communication in my relationship, okay, he cheated. I can see how this is not a victims and a villain situation. My higher self can recognize this, but there's always a line. When you cross a certain line, and I think it comes down to that definition of death being the ultimate end, and also the need to have societal structures of law and order and punishment, right? We have to draw lines and say, okay, well, this is crossing the line and this deserves some kind of punishment or accountability or rehabilitation. And so we're going to call this a villain that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. And even as you think about death too, if you look at most revolutions, they were started after a martyr died. So that death generated more energy in the revolution than the the person stayed alive. So I think that the energy transfers through death Mm. into the movement. It actually energizes the movement when their leader dies. That brings me to point number two. Point number two is that if you live in a culture that doesn't believe in the higher self, then yes, you have to believe in victims and villains. If I am my ego, if I am my body and that's all I am, (laughs) then if something happens to my body, yeah, I am being abused. Or if something happens to my ego, somebody's verbally abusing me, then yeah, I'm the victim of verbal abuse. I'm the victim. I get that. But if I am God itself, if a part of me is a God particle and I have a higher self, then that changes the trajectory of how we look at life. So those two things, the belief in death and the belief that there is no higher self, then we are just a pile of flesh. And yes, a pile of flesh can be a victim. This is taking a very existential turn. I thought for sure we'd be talking about like Kanye and Elon Musk and all this stuff, but I think it's interesting because we're sitting here thinking all these restricted thoughts. If I'm only going around once, then I kind of want to make good use of my time. And I'm going to be very critical of people who seem like they're like in my space and doing stuff to me. But if it's more like Groundhog's Day, the movie, where you just keep doing stuff until you get it right, then you don't care. It's just whenever you get it right, you get it right. And Scott, that's a huge shift in consciousness to believe and know that I have been here since the beginning of time and I am indestructible. So what can you do to me? Oh, you're going to kill me? Oh, I'll see you next time. (laughs) That's not small, okay? Not small at all. And actually, one of the things I love about Uplevel, and this kind of goes back to a couple episodes ago when you were introducing the ego, animal, and higher self, is that 
These are higher self tenets, right? These are tenets that the higher self believes in or knows to be true. But up-level doesn't ignore what the ego thinks about it and how the animal feels about it. And so the revolutionary thing for me with the up-level system is honoring, acknowledging, fully embracing how the ego and animal feel about it and think about it and saying, yeah, it's okay that our ego, which is responsible for keeping our separateness defined from the oneness of the world, it's okay that our ego is afraid of death. And it's okay that we want to point at villains and victims and identify as victims and punish the villains. That's fine. Encourage it, accept it, embrace it. And then we have this other part that accepts this other reality. And that's coming back to what I was talking about, about paradox, just accepting that there are paradoxes and you can hold two seemingly paradoxical concepts at once. Yeah, simultaneously. I think you put that well. There are both victims and villains. Your ego believes in victims and villains, trust me, until you train it out of that. And then there are not victims and villains. Your higher self knows that. It's almost a matter of like where you place your focus. Yeah, there's a rap song called The Same Damn Time. I got two women at the same damn time. He talks about all these things that he has at the same damn time. At the same damn time, you have an ego who believes in victims and villains, and you have a higher self that does not. And do you think having that ego helps keep you off the hook? If believing in, in victim and villain allows you to take some pressure off yourself, that's why it's there, to allow you to just say it was that person's fault, I don't feel as bad about myself. Is that why it's there? Ooh, you're getting real deep. I believe the ego is there so that we can have an experience. If I'm just my higher self, there's no experiences because I don't believe in separateness. I don't believe in Mike and Kenya, Scott and Kenya. Colin in Kenya. So I don't have an experience of Scott. I don't have an experience of Mike. But if I have an ego, I have experiences. That's why we need the ego. But if we were just higher self, it'd just be a, a mound of oneness, just no experience. I think I'm with Mike on this one. It feels like there's like a shift of power. And unfortunately, with victims and villains, it's you're either taking power or giving it away. You mentioned this in a different episode where if you just sit in the ego, if you're shaming and blaming someone else, then it's like putting it away from yourself. And then I guess in that sense, you are just sort of a puppet, like whatever happens around you. But if you're a person and you recognize that you have all three parts, then you can't be shifting power like that. It just, it doesn't work like that. Right. Yeah, it reminds me of the drama triangle. I don't know if, if that's familiar to y'all, but that, that was my first introduction in my own journey, in my own relationship, learning that this game that we would play in conflict where we're trying to figure out who's in the wrong, right? Like whose fault this argument is or who screwed up. It, we were just stuck in this circular drama triangle and the only way to get out of it is just to acknowledge like neither of us are wrong, both of us are wrong, whatever it is, just equalizing. So I agree with you, Mike. It's like the ego is there believing in victims and villains so that it can take the heat off of itself or that it can just have that like solid understanding comfort. of, yeah, that comfort of like, okay, there's this polarity between us. I'm separate. They're doing this to me or whoops, I did something to them. Yeah. It like keeps order and it definitely, it's like a defense mechanism. If you spend any time around kids, it's hard not to believe in victims and villains because 
that's their world. Well, she did this. Well, you said this. It's always about trying to explain your world in that language through who did what to who. Yes. And they get very advanced very quickly. You know, like one of them will be doing something. The other one will be standing watch out for that person. And I'll say to the watch, I was like, you had to know you were going to get in trouble, right? Just because you're the watch out and not doing the bad thing doesn't mean that you don't get in trouble. So. Yeah. The funniest thing about that is that from age zero to seven, your animal is developed. That's it. Seven to 14, your ego starts to come online and learn to like be the watch out or know that you're going to get in trouble and do it anyway. Then from 14 to 21, your higher self is supposed to be developing. At age 14, in an indigenous culture, in an African culture, they take you away and initiate you to initiate your higher self and bring it online. But in our culture, it's not just keep being an ego animal. <laughs> no initiation of the higher self. We don't need that in there. So there again is the paradigm shift. High school, high school is initiation, right? <laughs> yeah, I have three kids like in that six to 14 range. So I feel like, like I'm me. about to be initiated in some weird ritual. <laughs> <laughs> you are without up level because it's an anything goes society. Ego animal, rampant. So I was just reading something. It's like, you don't really even have to look too far. What was it? Kanye was saying that Elon Musk looks half Chinese and like a genetic breed of something. And oddly, Elon said, you know what? We're not rushing to reactivate your Twitter account. And I actually take that as a compliment. I saw that. <laughs> I guess Kanye is such an easy target for this, but it seems like he's constantly trying to instigate something. Like, Kenya, what do you think is really going on there? What's going on from a higher self perspective, from an ego perspective, or from an animal perspective with Kanye? Because I can break down all three. Let's start with the ego. Well, Kanye's ego is, in my view, he's trying to sort out his beliefs about the world. He's trying to bring in some sense of, from the ego, some sense of enlightenment. Like, we're all one. This is all love. Nobody's doing anything wrong. But from the ego, it's hard to teach that because you're going to take sides and you're going to have opinions. You're not going to be able to explain a higher self principle very well if you don't know it that well. But he's trying to work out some concerns, for instance, between the Jews and the Blacks. And I think he's very powerful. They said he had two times more followers than there are Jewish people on earth. He has 30 million followers, and he, they, uh, they said it was 14 million Jewish people on earth. So when you have that kind of following, it comes with power. So it's almost like a child coming into this kind of power. He's learning how to use it, and he's seeing that he can do things that trigger people that, that get him on TV nonstop for the next three days. So I think he's like a child with that much power in his hands, and he's learning how to apply it. He just realized that he can sell a billion dollars worth of shoes and out leverage a company that's been around for 50 years in one year with his power. So he's learning how to responsibly use it and use it for righteous causes, but he's being poked and prodded different directions as he's doing it. If his ego was really much more elevated, he would have the discussion about the concerns with, quote unquote, a Jewish middleman who deal the contracts negatively with Black artists in a way that people could understand it. And that would be great. But truly, from a higher self perspective, 
nobody's doing anything wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. The one thing I can say about Kanye West is everything that he stood up for and put himself out there for has been, one, George Bush doesn't like Black people. Got him in the first hot water. The other one, Beyonce deserved to win this award because her video was better, which, which it was 10 times better, which was not for him. Now it's artists are being ripped off and I'm sick of it. So all these things are kind of about the community. He's stepping in front of the community protected. So I mean, I feel like he's trying to find a righteous way to use his power, but not doing it the right way, applying it. Right. He needs up level. So he can set a container when he vents and so that he can come from a higher self perspective as well. There is something there. It's just hard not to get caught up in the ego stuff and the ego battles and all that. Because there are, like, as you say this, I'm like, maybe Yeezy isn't so bad. Who knows? But well, no, nobody is. That's his point. Right. But it's easy to claim I'm a victim of this. And it's easy to villainize other people. It's confusing when you don't know. I was reading another story. I had to look for a little while on the internet, but I found a story that had nothing to do with Kanye West. It was about a guy who apparently fell off a cruise ship. Did you hear about this one? So there's a guy who, according to the account that I heard, it went like this. Because when you hear a guy falls off a cruise ship, you assume, oh, no, he's the victim of something. And then his account was like, yes, I had a couple of drinks. No, I was not drunk. I told my wife at 11 o'clock I was going to go to the bathroom. And the next thing I woke up in the water and I was treading water for 20 hours and trying to fight off jellyfish and eventually got rescued. And when you hear that, for me, I was thinking like, wait, is he the victim? Is he the villain? Did he do something wrong? And sure enough, later in the article, there's a spokesperson from the cruise line who said, it's almost impossible to just fall off a cruise ship. Like you really have to go over the railing and jump like Superman mm -hmm. to do this. It's not like you're just falling off a rowboat. So then when you hear that, you go, oh, well, I guess he must have done something crazy. So that's the thing, because for all the time that I couldn't figure out, like, is he a victim or a villain? It really bothered me because I wanted to be able to label him. That's just the thing. Our minds want to label victim or villain. And that's the ego wanting to do that. And that's fine, as Colin said. It's just when we can get beyond that, we have less wars. When we can get beyond this concept, I need to see a victim or villain, right or wrong. And that's how it applies back to relationships because it doesn't need to be a victim or a villain in your relationship ever. And if you could come from that perspective sometimes, then you'd have a better relationship trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. I always see it like whenever I start to think in those terms of, is he the victim? Is he the villain? It's always an invitation for me to turn to compassion, to empathize, to in my relationship, it's always an invitation for deeper connection. It's like, wait, what am I not seeing? It's always an invitation to go deeper. What comes to mind in, I don't know if I could say pop culture, but from my perspective, it's becoming much more normalized to avoid pathologizing addicts. We went from like back in the day, just being like, oh, these are degenerates to they're making bad choices to, oh, it's a medical condition. It's a brain chemical imbalance or a genetic thing. And now we're all coming around slowly, but more and more in the last few years to, oh, this is actually emotional 
trauma. This is our nervous system unable to deal with certain levels of discomfort and pain. And so we're medicating ourselves, right? They went from being the villains to the victims. And now they're still the victims because we're saying, oh, they're the victims of emotional trauma, but it's just becoming more and more of a compassionate lens through which we're looking at people who have debilitating addictions. And that's what I mean by it's an invitation to deeper connection, to deeper understanding, deeper compassion. I agree. And I think that even if you spin that politically, if you even look at how Trump viewed crack addicts versus cocaine addicts, it's, it's, or how our political system viewed them criminal justice-wise, and how these people who use opioids are victims, but people who smoked marijuana before it was legal and did crack were villains. So yeah, I think it's an empathy thing. When you don't have empathy for a person, there is easy to make him a villain. When you have empathy for form, you try to get down to the source of what happened to them. Why are they this? Why are they doing that? What can we do to better assess them and see what's going on with them? So I think if you don't have the empathy, it's easy to make somebody a villain. And it's also the matter of timing. You know, it's like whatever the history books say. Back then, those people were degenerates, and now they're this. And likewise, back then, these people should be put away. Oh, no, there are dispensaries now. Let them out. It's all a matter of, you know, now we accept that this is the way it is. Yeah. So, Mike, I'm going to put you on the spot. How do you think this applies to sports? You've done a lot with sports, especially with kids. Like, how do you see this playing out in sports in terms of the victim and villain mentality? Do we want to talk Kyrie Irving or do we want to talk? I mean, we have a lot of examples right now. A very recent example as of today is Deion Sanders. Are we familiar with what's going on with Deion Sanders? I'm not. No. Okay. So Deion Sanders had a great football career. 15 years, best cornerback ever. He decided about five years ago to start coaching a historically black college, right? As he started coaching that college, they've been getting more attention. ESPN has been putting him on game day. They've been actually getting more sponsorships. And the issue with black colleges is they don't have funding. They don't have funding because they don't have TV deals. So what happens is all the young black athletes choose to go to Alabama as opposed to Alabama State, which is a black college. And now the funding not being at Alabama State, they can't recruit. They have bad facilities. And and there's a shortage of athletes attending these schools. Deion Sanders went to Jackson State. Jackson State has grown tremendously. They've attained great sponsors. But as of about a week ago, Colorado offered him a job as a head coach. So now Deion Sanders is a villain to the black community. They are mad that he left Jackson State because those HBCUs, historically black colleges, needed the boost that he was giving them. And now he's a villain. Everybody is mad at him. But they're not realizing that Colorado offered him $5 million a year. He was making $500,000 a year at Jackson State. So some people are saying he should have took the money and went to Colorado because it's more money. Others are saying, it's your job to fight for the cause of these black schools. You should be there. You leaving is making you a villain. And it it may not be anything that um, is in super mainstream media, but it is a hot topic right now. I personally don't think he's a villain because at the end of the day, it depends on his perspective. If he is saying, I need to make as much money as possible so I can feed my family, that's the perspective he took. Some people are saying that he should have stayed there because he could have change the trajectory of black colleges forever if he stayed there long enough for them to start to get tv deals 
It's a feeling nobody's uh, nobody knows about this. Ain't eh? nobody in the call knows about this. No, well, because they're not publicizing the Deion Sanders piece. And my ego would say, oh, I'm so upset. They're not even publicizing this. But I did read the article. And then my higher self would say, all is well. Nothing mm -hmm. is wrong. All of this is happening to grow us, to grow society, for us to look at these things. And so those are two perspectives. But oh, my gosh, my animal just hurts to hear that story, Mike. Because yes, your animal is going to be triggered. My animal is triggered about that. Mm. And my ego has an opinion about that. But my higher self knows that all is well. Everything is perfection. Everything is happening for our highest good. Do you see those three perspectives? Now, what if everybody who's mad at him could also come from their higher self? He's doing the best he can. He made yeah. the best decision he could. Well, I think it's like what Colin said earlier, I think in relationships, that this is an opportunity for growth, or it's an opportunity for something. Because my red flag is, does this seem like a double bind? Because if it does, there's always a third answer. And the third answer usually is tied to higher self. So we could talk about anything. A few weeks ago, I get into debates with my friends about geeky stuff. So it's, should they have kept Black Panther? Or should they have replaced Black Panther? And there are going to be millions of people who say one way and millions who say another one. Well, you know, they didn't get rid of Spider-Man and Batman, so they should just have kept doing it. Have another actor play Black Panther. And then there's some people say, oh, no, Chad Bozeman was the best. You can't replace him. And the truth is, it's we're in the it's really up for debate. And it's up for so much debate that you're not going to have one answer that makes everybody happy. So maybe it's time to turn to higher self. But that higher self will help us be more at peace. Our number one killer in this society is stress. So if I'm thinking about Black Panther, if I'm thinking about Deion Sanders, I'm thinking about Kanye West, and I'm stressed out, I'm constantly triggered for 24. I mean, people were triggered for weeks about Kanye losing that deal. Black community was in peril. Trust me. And I'm sharing that if they could just for a moment look from that higher self perspective at no victims, no villains, that this is going to all show us something, teach us something, move us in a certain way, probably in a very wonderful way. Black Panther, what if we looked at that movie and said, gosh, we need a Black Panther. We need a male in that position. And we just needed to see that through that experience. Now the experience isn't so bad because we've had an enlightenment. We've had an enlightenment because of Deion Sanders. Those black colleges need funding. And Deion Sanders leaving showed us that we can see this higher self-perspective and it can de-stress us. When I hear you say that, it reminds me again of what I love about honoring the ego and animal, feeling that stress. So like what you're saying is, yes, we can feel that stress and then learn how to move through it, release it and get into our higher self-consciousness and I see two ends of the spectrum. There's what you're talking about, which is where people just hang on to it. They hang on to that stress and they, they ride it for weeks or years or their whole life or whatever. But then the other side of it I see in the like new age spiritual world is total spiritual bypass and just not feeling the anger at all, not even acknowledging that you do and using some kind of platitude that sounds enlightened to be like, oh, everything will work itself out. It's everything's for a reason without acknowledging and honoring that, hey, there's actually someone inside me who's freaking pissed off, right? So I, again, I just want to bring it back to the beauty of honoring the animal and ego and then moving into higher consciousness. Yeah, 
I like that because I think sometimes you need to be triggered to be motivated enough to change. So a death of a leader, things like that, you may need to be angry enough to say, let me get up, let me change my daily routine and adjust what I'm doing to target energy towards that particular cause. So I think it's motivation. You want to just be zen about everything that happens in life because then where's the motivation at? Where's the revolution at? Everything for things that evolve, you, you need to have that initial momentum and discomfort that makes you say, let's go ahead and get up and put some energy behind change, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Definitely. And we include that here. Up level allows for that. Understanding ego animal allows for that. As Colin said, you get to move out of that at some point. When you want to, you can move into no victims, no villains. And just to put a fine point on what I think Colin was saying is that this isn't just about putting a silver lining around things and saying, oh, everything's okay. It's not that everything's okay. There are things that are wrong. There are things that motivate us. And like Mike was saying, with the discomfort that moves us to do stuff, we basically either move towards pleasure or away from discomfort. If either of those are happening, then energy is flowing. But the more you can stay in higher self while still feeling that and recognizing it's a little bit of a balancing act. Yeah. And it's fun. And we get back to where we started. Ego. Ego is so important. I don't know why we demonize it. As Mike said, without it, how do we change? What do we change? We have to go through that trigger moment and then move up to higher self and get the solution. There is a solution, but only found in the higher self who knows how to resolve all conflict. And that's another good point. I always hear meta stuff. So it's funny to me that it's possible that we could be villainizing one of the parts of us, like villainizing the ego. Then you have both things. So you need the ego, you need the animal, you need the higher self. It all works together. You can't do it without one of them. I guess the first thing I would say to our audience is like, stop villainizing your own ego (laughs) and then look out to other egos and say, the world will move on, whether he sells these shoes or those shoes, whether we have a cyber truck or we don't have a cyber truck. Y'all know how I got out of my ego about Kanye and losing that billion dollar deal. My higher self said, Well, maybe he would start his own manufacturing. Maybe it's time for African-Americans to start manufacturing shoes. Okay, so there we are. Higher self, all is well, nothing is wrong, and we can move to those spaces. Oh, you all are awesome. This is wonderful conversation, Colin and Mike. I'm so glad you all were able to come. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, yeah, cool. Well, guys, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I'm sure our audience is able to glean a lot from this discussion, and we appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Have a good one. You too, guys. Hey, Kenya, what did you think of that discussion? Awesome, awesome, awesome. I loved all of those examples. I love Colin and how he's so esoteric and he gets into the spirituality of this. This is a spiritual practice. And I love my brother's examples that are so mundane that everybody can understand. We all understand Kanye West. We all understand how we all felt and what's going on. I mean, these world events are perfect fodder for no victims, no villains, putting it to the test. Definitely. I would argue, I don't know that anybody, including Kanye, really understands Kanye, but but we certainly hear about him. Yes. And the whole thing is that, wow, it gives us such an opportunity to look at ourselves. When we stop and think about the concept, life 
outside of victimhood and villainhood, there's such an empowering place that we can go to. And I truly hope Kanye gets there. He could call me. Shit, I'll talk to him about it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you heard it here first. So did anything new pop up for you in today's talk? Was there anything that you had an aha moment? Honey, there's nothing new under the sun. I have had thousands of discussions with people who disagree with the no victims, no villains tenant. And I just always stress that it is their ego disagreeing. Their higher self agrees with me perfectly. Gotcha. So I saw something online recently that said no victims, no villains, and no heroes. What do you think of that? Does that jibe with you? Yes, it does. And that should be a part of no victims, no villains, no heroes. Let's add it on because there's no such thing. Everyone is a hero. So that means there's no heroes. Everyone is a God. That means you understand we're one. So to put any of these segments, heroes, victims, villains, bad guys, good guys, bad apples. I remember the Bill Cosby thing. And everybody was trying to decide, is Bill Cosby this great guy who had kids and did all the stuff and stayed married and had these wonderful shows? Or is he this terrible sex abuser? Neither. He is a living spiritual being having a human experience going through the challenges of life like the rest of us. That's it. But that's what our ego does. I think our ego feels like, oh, I'm not doing my job if I don't categorize somebody or label somebody or have some sort of input. As a writer, I've had editors like that, where some people really just want to tweak a few things just to say, well, now I've done my job as an editor. And the ego is like our experience editor. It wants to say, this is how you're supposed to think of this. Right. We don't want to kick anything out, Scott. We're not kicking out your ego and y'all's opinions. We're just sharing that's one aspect of how you think. The higher self thinks in another way that broadens our scope and brings empathy and compassion that we all want. Everybody under these economic times is like, why don't corporate have no empathy? Why don't the government have no empathy and compassion? I don't have the money. Because they don't have no empathy and compassion. Because they believe what the ego said. It's about capitalism, me first, whatever. Society is missing this God particle. And that's what Uplevel tries to bring back. It's funny because when I was thinking about all this victim and villain stuff, for some reason, it made me think of this episode of The Simpsons, where they were trying to figure out how to get rid of some monsters. And the answer turned out to be that if you ignore them, they'll just disappear. So I guess this is sort of similar in a weird way, in that the more you don't believe in victims or villains, the easier it is not to be one. So Again, it seems like it's more about redefining our understanding than it is just about avoiding the situation. That is so good. And to go a step further, because you're going to see the monster and you're going to be afraid. So that's not really ignoring it. It's learning a new way to view this quote unquote monster. That's all we're talking about. So speaking of disappearing, it seems like that's going to just about do it for us for this episode. But be sure to tune in next week when our episode will cover the next tenet, no cop-outs, no dropouts. So you're going to want to continue your journey with us, partially just to avoid the inherent irony. So be sure not to miss that one. So we'll see you next Wednesday. And until then, remember, the purpose is growth. The benefit is love. Kenya K. Stevens is the co-author of the books Uplevel Communication and The Nine Expressions of Love, both of which you can find in print and online. 
Scott Tharler's articles and other podcast appearances are listed in his Linktree page, which you'll find linked to in the show notes. Speaking of which, The Benefit of Love is available for your listening pleasure on Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Spotify, and other platforms. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow the show and share it with anyone who you'd like to see have better, more peaceful and fulfilling relationships. The Benefit is Love is co-executive produced by Scott Tharler and Kenya Stevens with original music by DJ D. Spence. Thank you to Sanu Stevens for all her help and expertise. And thanks to this episode's special guests, Colin Safranik and Michael Stone. This podcast, copyrighted 2022, is the intellectual property of Progressive Love Academy. All rights reserved.